0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We are in our third week of this series, When God Says No. We're at part three, and uh, I want to just give a little review from last week and uh, just kind of catch you up on where we are. We've been looking throughout the scriptures about where God says no and how when God says no, there's always a promise attached to that. To that no not just a, a flat-out refusal but god is bringing us actually into his yes uh the word says all the promises of god are in christ jesus yes and in him amen god is a yes god but there are reasons why he says no and it's not for A lot of reasons that people think, you know, and I talked about that last week. And if uh, you want to go back and look at that, you're more than welcome to. But we want to just look at what the Bible says. I want to give you a clear biblical understanding of what it means for us uh, as believers in 2020 uh, when God says no. Joshua chapter one, verse five from last week. uh, God tells Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you because Joshua is now taking the headship. He's, take, he's the leader of Israel to take them into the land of promise that God had promised Abraham almost 500 years uh, prior to this. And now they're coming into it. And so the Lord is uh, giving joshua this assurance i'm with you all the way no one's going to be able to stop you coming in to this promise and then we also looked at the amplified of hebrews 13 5 where god is very emphatic and he says i will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support i will not i will not i will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. It's beautiful. And in our response to that is that we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? And when, when we put these two verses together, where God says no, we see that He is telling us He is with us for life, specifically to keep us out of the fear of man, the, the fear of others uh, trying to bring us down or to condemn us. And the Word of God has so much assurance. For us in this that this very present help is with us the word of god says that he's our very present help in times of trouble and so we need to remember that you know whenever you're under fire and you're under scrutiny or maybe you've been accused of something or you know whatever it may be somebody's speaking out against you just remember this like david said magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name together i sought the lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears and then we looked at isaiah 54 where it says no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn that's so good you uh, have a part to play when uh, condemning words come against you and you can condemn those words because later on in that verse it says this is the heritage of the servants of the lord and their righteousness is of me says god so as his righteous ones we've been gifted his righteousness not by our own works uh not by our own good deeds but by his mercy he gave us his righteousness when we believed on him and with that comes this inheritance of authority and our words now carry authority that's why we condemn any tongue that rises up against us you are victorious over both public and personal attacks thank the lord And so remember that. And you have these three witnesses, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, who have already testified on your behalf because the word says, uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter or every word shall be established. It's established. And God has a testimony about you. So whatever he testifies, it's a done deal. So you are truly victorious over all public and personal attacks because the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit have testified on your behalf. So that's just a little... Recap from last week, I want to jump into today in part three, and we're going to go to Isaiah 54 again, but we're going to go a little earlier in the chapter in verse seven. Isaiah chapter 54, we're going to read verses seven through nine. It says, and this is the Lord speaking. He says, for a mere moment, I have forsaken you, but with great mercies, I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Verse nine, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Now, the truth we're going to glean from these verses of Scripture is this. God is not now, nor will he ever be angry with you. God is not now, nor will he ever be angry with you. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel really good. Because I have felt at times, and I'm sure you have in your own Christian walk, you know, when you've stumbled in your walk, and uh, you've done something that would be displeasing uh, to the Lord and to your walk with God, and you sense maybe that he's disappointed or angry with you, but he's not. It's actually impossible for him to be that way because he has promised you that he would not be. This says, says the Lord, your redeemer, the word redeem means to purchase or to ransom. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price. In other words, you've been redeemed. You were ransomed. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I also want to read something from Peter. This is such a powerful truth. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. He says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so when the Lord says this, the Lord, our Redeemer, says this. For a moment I was angry, but now I'm going to show everlasting kindness. This is so awesome. Verse 9, he says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. And my question is, what is like the waters of Noah? Because this chapter opens up with a celebratory exclamation. Sing, O barren, break forth, uh, enlarge the place of your dwelling. It has all of these wonderful things and talks about how the barren woman would bear more children than her who had children and all of these wonderful things. So we have to actually back up before that, before this chapter, Uh, What causes all of this response from God? This is like the waters of Noah to me. Well, Isaiah 53 is one of the most powerful messianic chapters. That being that it's uh, foretelling of Jesus and his coming, especially Jesus as the suffering servant. And in verse five of 53, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Verse six says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what he's saying is that we are all just living life for ourselves. Everyone's turned to their own way. Isn't that the same today? I mean, it's no different. It's the the nature of man who is dead in sin and going to the going our own way and as a result of that it says the lord laid on him that is god laid on jesus the iniquity of us all in other words he blamed jesus for all of our straying it's extraordinary but i don't want to talk about this him being wounded and bruised because this helps us understand the kind of price that was paid for our redemption so that uh the anger of god would be once and for all satisfied the word wounded means pierced. Now, this is where blood flowed out of Jesus' body. You know, when they, the, by his stripes and blood gushed from his body. When they pierced his wrists and his feet, blood came out. When they, when they thrust the spear in his side, blood and water came out. When they crammed the crown of thorns down on his head, blood came gushing out. And it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. Now, these are the outward actions of our sins. But then it says he was bruised for our iniquities. This is where Jesus bled on the inside. And this has to do, iniquity is a, it's an evil word. It has to do with just the inner perverseness of a, of a person. You know, those, those secret sins, those calculated sins in the heart or in the mind. And Jesus' blood has thoroughly dealt with sin inward and outwardly, wounded and bruised for our transgressions and our iniquities, thank you, Jesus. And God laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. There was a young man who was called to serve in Napoleon Bonaparte's army, but he didn't want to go, so a friend of his volunteered to uh, go in his place, and was accepted as his substitution. But unfortunately, some time later, his friend died in battle. But there was a clerical error that took place, and so this young man was still called up to serve uh, again. And he says, you can't take me, I'm dead. Uh, I, I died on that battlefield already. And so after checking the records, the officers found this documentation of his name alongside it, the name of the friend who died in his place. So this case was presented to Napoleon himself. And after examining the evidence, he said, through a surrogate, this man has not only fought, but he has died in his country's service. No man can die more than once the law has no hold on him the judgment for your sins has truly been passed on to jesus and the payment praise god has been fully satisfied by his death as a result the truth is god cannot now justly be angry with us because justice has been fully served jesus took all the wrath of god upon himself when he died for our sins Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us. From the wrath to come. Isn't that glorious? We know He delivered us. He called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. He translated us from uh, the the kingdom of, of the devil to the kingdom of God. But this says that this deliverance is a right now experience. He delivers us from the wrath to come. So there's no wrath coming. We're talking about God is not now, nor will He ever be angry with you. Isn't that marvelous what Jesus has done? What a Savior we have. I want to go to this next thought in Romans chapter eight and verse one, another place where God says no. And you probably are very familiar with this passage of scripture. I love this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I love that. The word condemnation means a damnatory sentence, uh, the expression of a very strong disapproval or eternal punishment. Wow, there is none of that. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This next thought, this next truth I want to bring to you, uh, when God says no, is in Christ, you are fully approved by God. I want you to say that with me, but just make it personal. In Christ, I am fully approved by God. And Romans chapter 8, later on, I, this is just one of the most marvelous chapters in the Bible, but the last two verses, verses 38 and 39, it kind of sums up this whole thought. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't it awesome that it opens up in christ there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ and then it ends that nothing shall separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord now i want to explain something on this point because i've had many questions about this through the years Um, and one of the frequent questions is this if nothing can separate us from the love of god then how do people still go to hell uh, you know, they'll quote something like John 3.16, God so loved the world, so he loves everybody, and if nothing can separate us, then how in does the whole world not get to go to heaven? And I think that's a good question, but um you gotta see more of what the Bible says, where this love of God is. I mean, no doubt, God is love, right? Therefore he loves, and God's love for us is unconditional. Romans uh, 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners. So we see the unconditional aspect of God's love there. uh, That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of that's true. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But later on in in John chapter 3, and verse 17, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then it says, who he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So in Christ, there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no separation from God's love, right? But the love of God compels us through this marvelous redemption story. But we must believe. And when we believe on him, we will not perish but have everlasting life we will experience this love that god wants us to fully grasp as paul says i want you to know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth and all of those things to comprehend the love of god which is i I can't comprehend it it's just so marvelous but that love is in christ jesus so that has to be that's a love that has to be accepted by those who believe on him and when you come into that The love that is in Christ Jesus, that's the inseparable love. Not all the love is inseparable until you believe on Jesus. But praise God, once you do, it's a done deal. In 2011, um, it was one of my favorite years watching uh, NBA because the Dallas Mavericks won the championship that year. It was just so great. And on their way, as they're into the quarterfinals and, and working their way up to the championship series, they faced off the Lakers now, uh kobe bryant may he rest in peace i was one of our rivals i couldn't stand the guy uh for one i definitely respected his his game but didn't really care if, uh, if he ever won a basketball game but we had to face off the lakers in order to go you know to the championship game so this was this was daunting for the for the mavericks i'm happy to say that uh, the mavericks beat them four up and four down just swept them won four, four out of seven and moved move forward but I can remember during that game um kobe bryant had made so many shots and and this one he uh, uh shot a three-pointer uh, out on the perimeter and it was beautiful shot i mean just had an amazing shot and the ball went ripping through the net and it was just disheartening because it looked like he was getting on fire but then all of a sudden the wh- the ref is blowing his whistle saying no basket no basket and he points down to kobe's heel and his heel is on the line the out of bounds line which means That basket doesn't count. It looked exactly like any other shot. It went in and it looked like it should count. But one problem was he was out of bounds. Listen, outside of Christ, (laughs) you have no assurances. There is no other way but through him. In him is the inseparable love. And God has made us this amazing promise that through him, whoever believes on him, will receive remission of sins whoever you must choose him in order to know the fullness of his love but you'll never be separated from the love of god which is in christ jesus god will not choose that for you you have to make the choice to believe on him but it's a marvelous thing and there is no condemnation there is no eternal punishment and there is no separation in the love of god which is in christ jesus thank you lord I want to go to one last place here in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. This is something that we really need to, on a regular basis, chew on and meditate on. Because to think about what that just said, that we are. Like him, as he is. Well, how is Jesus? <laughs> he is reigning and he ruling at the right hand of God. But the word says, as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, we have the same standing as sons as Jesus does. We have the same righteousness, praise God. We have the same access to the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same victory. As a matter of fact, Ephesians says, we're seated with him in heavenly places. Isn't that marvelous? So we may have boldness in the day of judgment because we're not there standing before God on our own merits, or we better hope we're not. We're there on the merits of Jesus Christ, who finished the work and our faith in him is what has redeemed us from all of our sins. That's our confidence in the day of boldness, in the day of judgment. That's our confidence, not by works of righteousness I've done. Jesus did everything necessary for me to come into this place. He saved me to the uttermost. And then it says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear. Fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, think about who's writing this. This is John the Apostle who walked with Jesus. Um, he was. Um, obviously very close to jesus you know jesus had several dimensions of relationships several levels of relationships I and mean, he certainly had his uh the the 500 the the disciples that he appeared to you know after his resurrection then there were the 70 at one point that he sent out uh to go minister to other villages and then he had his 12 but then he had his three you know peter james and john were they got to experience a couple of things that the other guys didn't one of those was they went on that mountain with jesus where they saw him glorified and saw moses and elijah standing there i mean these guys definitely are are the inner circle with jesus but then there was john then there was john who definitely was the closest one because as jesus was hanging on that cross um, he turned the care of his mother over to john john's the only one that was there everybody else had taken off but here's john standing there, knowing that there's all kind of risk of him being a follower there at Jesus' crucifixion. The other guys seem to do the sensible thing, run for your life, you know, so nobody else gets executed. But John's standing there, and he's the one who writes this. And when he wrote the gospel of John, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And here in 1 John chapter 4, he brings even more clarity to it because now he's an old man and he's learned something about the love of God. There's no fear. There's no fear when you know that you're loved by God. See, John wasn't one who was touting his love for God. That was Peter's issue. He was always trying to let Jesus know just how important he was to him and how much he needed it. I will not deny you. I don't care if I'll forsake you. I'll never deny you. And we know he did. But John was just confident in the fact that he was loved. And here he tells us, there's no fear in that place. That's why John could stand there at the cross because he knew he was loved by God. And this love, The word says, cast out fear. How powerful is that? Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You're not made perfect in love until you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you can know the completion of that love. We are confident and complete in the love of God. Fully confident and fully complete in the love of God. I want to just encourage you to remember first and foremost, your relationship with God starts with you believing on him and receiving his love first john said in this is love not that we love god but that he first loved us god loves you god loves you rest in that love and let that love uh, uh, abound in your life let that be your motivating factor for living for doing the fact that god loves you and in response to that love you show love for others so I, I just want to encourage you on those three truths. Num- this last one, we are confident and complete in the love of God. And then uh, the second one was in Christ, you are fully approved by God. Don't you love when God says no? Hallelujah. And then um, God is not now, nor will he ever be angry with you. Father, I want to say thank you for this time together with these precious people. Lord, I pray right now that every home Would experience the love the grace and the peace of God even now in this moment Lord I thank you right now that your healing power is at work there are some that are watching right now Lord who are suffering in some way in their body and I just speak the word of healing you sent your word and you healed them and delivered them from their destruction as we read earlier by your stripes they are healed we thank you Lord uh, for that covenant that was cut in your body you bear the marks of covenant those scars are receipts for our healing. And I declare that they are healed in the name of Jesus. I speak peace and, and, and love abounding in every marriage, Lord, and, uh, um, and with fathers and mothers and children. I pray that every home, God, would abound in the love of God. Thank you right now that you're a very present help in time of need. There are those who are in need, God, financially, uh, um, job-wise. And I thank you right now. Your word says you will supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.